sharing projects that matter. This is Community Voices on Portland Radio Project. Good afternoon, and welcome to Community Voices, where we focus on local organizations changing Portland and changing the world. I'm Jamie Dracos, and today in the studio, we have Liz and Ellen from Rosehaven. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited to be here. So, Liz, can you tell us a little bit more about Rosehaven and what you do with the organization? Absolutely. So Rosehaven is the only drop-in emergency day shelter for women, children, and genderqueer folks in Portland who are experiencing homelessness, abuse, and all of those intersecting issues. Traditionally, when we think of shelters, we think of beds. However, shelters that have beds only have so many beds, and that puts a really finite capacity on how many people they can serve. Um, As Portland faces the second highest rate of homelessness in the country, more and more people are being forced to sleep outside in cars and in tents and are really reliant on our services um, during the daytime. So we offer showers, uh, first aid, we have social workers on site, uh, we're a mailing address for over 500 people. And to give you the scope of how many people we serve on any given day, we have about 100 guests drop in at our shelter. Um, And last year, we served almost 3,600 women and children. Wow, thank you. And Ellen, you're here with us today. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so you are a volunteer with the organization. Do you want to tell folks why you got involved with Rosehaven? I'd love to. I'm one of 642 active volunteers with Rosehaven. I think they have 10 full-time staff, and the rest is reliant on community support. And I first heard about Rosehaven serendipitously through a business connection. And this was around the time when I wanted to be more involved in the community. And there's so many needs out there. And I feel sometimes like, what can I do? I'm just one person. What impact can I have? And I had noticed, as Liz had mentioned, we have such a high population of homeless in Portland. I mean, you see them on every street corner, under the bridges. And through this connection, I went and toured Rosehaven. And I got to meet both uh, Liz and Katie O'Brien, and they showed me the facility and all the services they provide at this one place. So these women can come to this one place and receive their meals and medical care, advocacy, clothes, hygiene, everything. So that can be a real struggle for someone who's experiencing poverty and traveling around. So it dawned on me that I can really make more of an impact on this homeless crisis By supporting this organization, they have the resources, they have the organization to create this huge impact. And they also told me that it's, I think, $189 they can provide all of these services to a one woman for an entire year. Wow. So I had an aha moment where, gosh, if I gave $5 to someone on the street, that is that going to give, you know, buy one meal? That can provide all of these services for a whole week for that same person. So... That's really when it was sealed the deal, and I wanted to sign up however I could to help um, help fundraise and support this this organization. So I've been this is my third year with the Raining Roses Walk Committee, and that's the biggest fundraiser for this organization coming up on Mother's Day this uh, May twelfth, and we'll talk more about that. 
I've also worked with Katie. Uh, I'm an estate planning and estate administration attorney. So I've worked with Katie in coming up with educational materials to uh, add to their website. So if people want to learn how to give uh, through their estate, uh, people don't realize what a huge impact that can create. Even just there's a movement called Give 10, where if everyone gave 10% of their estate to some cause in the community that they cared about, that can create a huge exponential uh, positive impact on our our communities. Great. So, all right, Liz, back to you. Can you tell us more about the specific services that Rose Haven offers to women in the community? Absolutely. So we were founded about 20 years ago, and the role of our organization was to be a safe place where women can go during the day to access basic needs services and kind of put the pieces back together. So a place where you can use the phone, you know, send some emails and during the hours when businesses and places where you can get things done are actually open. So that's why we were founded and we've been doing it for about 20 years, but 10 years in our current location. Um, Today we're open five days a week. Uh, We're open Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. until 4. And during those hours, uh, we have social workers on site that are our advocates. And what makes us so special is that we are a really low barrier day center. So the only hoop that people have to jump through to access services at Rosehaven is they meet with one of our advocates on their first visit and do what we call an intake. And during that intake, um, everybody at Rosehaven, guests, staff, and volunteers alike, we're all bound by one contract, which is our community agreement. So everybody signs that same document, which says, hey, we're going to be respectful in this shared space. And that's what holds us together at Rosehaven. And it kind of eliminates any sort of stratification and puts us on the same playing field as our guests. So once our guests come in and sign the community agreement and go over what our services are with an advocate, they can access anything at Rosehaven. And We have got a lot going on out of our tiny church basement. So um, they can set up a mailing address. They can use the computer. We have showers on site. We have meals available. Um, We have nurses on site. We have volunteer counselors. And depending on what day you come in, we have a host of wellness and empowerment activities. Um, Anything from volunteer yoga instructors and acupuncturists to meditation groups. Um, People from a bank will come in to offer financial wellness and budgeting 101 classes. And really, every day at Rosehaven is a little different, but every day we offer meals, showers, advocacy support, first aid, and, um, you know, just a safe place to be and community. And I think that that community piece is the hardest thing to quantify, of course, but it's really the heart of what we do and the most important thing that we do because I could easily talk to you all day about how important it is to put clothes on somebody's back when they're wet um, or, you know, how important it is to fill somebody's belly when they're hungry and how that can help kids succeed in school. But the really most healing thing that Rosehaven provides is that restoration of dignity, Um, Because the hardest challenge that our guests face is that stigma that comes with extreme poverty. And they tell us that they feel invisible when they're on the street. But when they come to Rosehaven, we know their name. You know, this is the closest thing that many of our guests have to a home. And, you know, we're just a tiny church basement with some couches and a whole lot of love and hospitality. But (laughs) we are a community. And you also have, it's not just all about the the food and the shelter and the clothing, you also have some fun things that 
go on at Rosehaven. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, yes. Well, I would say our number one activity is bingo, which some might say is a bit of a blood sport at Rosehaven. It's very, very competitive because we have awesome prizes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, think we always do self-care activities on any given day. There's some sort of art project going on, you know, whether it's knitting and crochet or more traditional canvas art painting, um, you name it. But some of the activities that I think are the most impactful are the little extras that we do for our guests. So for example, around the holidays, we're Santa for about 500 children every year. And each one of those kids gives us a wish list and they receive five to six brand new gifts that are age appropriate and matched to what they said that they wanted. Around back to school time, we do a huge back to school drive where we provide brand new backpacks and everything that's on that list that says you need this stuff to go back to school to these kids. And we make sure that it's all brand new so that they fit in and they, you know, they're not going into school with the used backpack because that's not what we want to promote. Um, when we do our Thanksgiving celebration at Rosehaven, it's catered by Irving Street Kitchen and we have a performance from the Oregon Symphony. So just gives you a little peek into what we're trying to do for these ladies. Um, it, at our holiday party for the women, each woman gets a purse that is stuffed with brand new beauty products from Pacifica Beauty and a couple of our local partners. And oh my goodness, the purse drives that we pull off are unbelievable. We have the West Hills Tennis Club, the Mac Club, all these places collecting bags for us. And let me tell you, some of these ladies were walking out with Alexander McQueen, Louis Vuitton, <laughs> Rebecca Minkoff, like we don't mess around. So we really are about that promoting dignity and and the clothing that we provide and the food and everything that we provide is all about being good. So most of our food comes from Elephant's Deli, you know, Um It's just a fun place to be. And I think that the word is definitely on the street that we have good coffee, we have good food. The clothing is going to be something that, you know, people would actually want to wear. And we're not just trying to kind of push off things that aren't good enough for us onto others. We're really trying to promote that community feeling and uplift our guests. That's fantastic. Ellen, uh, you have some information, some statistics about how many folks Rosehaven serves. Yes. As Liz had mentioned, on any given day, we average about 100 guests per day. So if you look at the numbers for last year, we served 3,600 women and children, and they visited over 22,000 times. We served 21,000 nutritious meals, 5,600 one-on-one advocacy appointments, and that resulted in housing, medical support, employment, uh, some life-saving referrals, 5,400 hygiene kits were distributed, 6,000 individual shopping appointments for clothing and supplies, and just over 2,000 shower appointments. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, You know, the demand for services must have risen in the past few years as the homelessness crisis in Portland has gotten so much more uh, difficult. Have you seen that in your organization? Oh, my goodness. Yes. And, you know, we always say we want to go out of business, but unfortunately, we keep just growing and growing every year to meet the overwhelming demand in the community. Um, So right now, Oregon has the second highest rate of homelessness in the country. And we are one of only five states where more than half of that population is living outside in cars or in tents. And we are the third highest population of people who are what are considered chronically homeless in the country. So these are people with severe mental or physical disabilities that find it really hard to reintegrate into traditional jobs. So to give you a scope of what that looks like day to day when we are doing this direct service work, in 2009, we served 748 women and children. 
Last year, it was 3,600. And I want you to imagine this out of a, a tiny little church basement with, um, you know, 72% of our local homeless population is suffering from a physical or mental disability. So there's a lot of wheelchairs. There's a lot of service animals. Um, there's a lot of bodies in, in this small space. And we're kind of bursting at the seams. We are in the midst of a capacity building project and strategic planning project because we need a we need a bigger building. Um, and so I tell every person that I meet, because eventually I know we'll find an angel to help us move, but... Um, we are quickly outgrowing our space, which is why um, in 2017, we expanded into the First Emanuel Lutheran Church's Fellowship Hall. And now we are offering showers up there that we built. And um, we're moving more and more classes and activities into the church hall to alleviate some of the overcrowding that is going on down in the central shelter at Rosehaven. So it seems like safe space for women is really important. And can you talk about why that's so important for homeless women and transgender women and genderqueer folks? Absolutely. And I'm really glad you made that distinction because at Rosehaven, we are committed to serving all women. So that includes trans women and people who are genderqueer and gender non-binary. Um, because we're there to serve anybody who is persecuted because of their gender. Um, and we saw this need increasing. Three out of every four transgender people in Oregon have experienced homelessness in their lives. So um, we do offer a really important LGBTQI-friendly space. Um, I think a lot of people traditionally, when you think of somebody who's experiencing homelessness, the thought that immediately comes into our mind is kind of the scary guy on the side of the road. Um, and I've heard the population of females who are experiencing homelessness called the hidden homeless because they go to great lengths to stay hidden for safety reasons. Um, and that's a lot of the reason why Rosehaven was founded, because especially at co-ed shelters or many of the women's shelters are branches of a male shelter that are just separated by a wall or maybe across the street from each other. So many times women were having to face their predators every day because most of the night shelters, you have to be out between either seven and seven or eight and eight, depending on the program. So for a lot of women, that meant waking up, packing everything that they owned into their bags and walking out into the street to face their attackers. Um, so Rosehaven was created as a safe space where women could go during the day with their children to access social services and, like I said, put the pieces back together. Because I think the hardest thing to imagine for me is, you know, if you were recently displaced, you wouldn't know what services are out there, let alone what you're going to be eligible for. And everybody's personal situation is different. So, for example, um, when people come into Rosehaven, we can really triage those needs and help connect them with over 100 other agencies. So say you come in and meet with one of our advocates, they would say, okay, you know, you're a senior, you have a disability, you have two children, and you're a veteran. Oh, and you're a domestic violence survivor. So you're going to be eligible for this, 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 and this. And we'd walk you through the process of getting onto those lists and, you know, making that change into a more sustainable living situation. Unfortunately, so many of the housing lists right now are just overflowing because the cost of living in Portland has increased so dramatically over the past five years. And I think everybody sees the homelessness and they see the rate of it rising, but I don't think most people realize that the number one demographic to be affected is families, and especially families with children. We are seeing record numbers of students in Oregon experiencing homelessness, and more and more families are being displaced. And so... Um, we've really become a trusted resource and that kind of central center where people know they can come. If they don't even know where to begin, they can come to Rosehaven. We don't require ID or anything like that. 
So um, that makes it a lot easier to access services and get the ball rolling, you know, especially when people are either suffering from mental illness or questionable immigration status. They may be afraid to access more traditional shelters that are getting, you know, government funding. But Rosehaven is just a really grassroots community place where they can feel safe and know that we are going to work with them one-on-one to better their interests that are specific to them. And I think that is really the root of what we do is we have no agenda to push at Rosehaven. We are helping each woman find her unique path to success, whatever that looks like. And for many people, that's different. We have some people that come into the shelter that if we don't see them every day, we're worried. We have some people that come in, meet with an advocate and get into housing that day and we never see them again. And that is a success. So the range that we serve is really really wide too. And I think when, um, especially when you think of women and single moms, um, I'd say about 80% of who we serve at Rosehaven are experiencing homelessness, uh, which can of course look really different depending on your situation. So that could mean you're staying on a friend's couch. That could mean you're staying in your car. That could mean you're staying in a transitional shelter. Or unfortunately for more and more people, that could mean you're outside. And so the other 20% of our population are people who are low income. So a lot of people don't realize literally the only thing you can buy with food stamps is food. So diapers, wipes, pads, tampons, soap, shampoo, conditioner, all that stuff can be a real barrier. You know, back to school supplies, Christmas gifts. So about 20% of our population relies on us for that kind of support. We also offer some modest rental and utility assistance that people are eligible for once a year with us. So we keep a lot of people from slipping into homelessness. And we have a lot of single moms, for example, that come in once a week for diapers and wipes and then, you know, go to work. Um, And then we have other people who are experiencing severe, severe chronic homelessness and come and stay indoors all day with us and eat and shower and rest on the couch because they've been up all night looking over their shoulder for safety reasons. But um, having a women's only space where we can all come together and feel safe and feel supported is just so critical in the midst of the current housing crisis. It is really critical. And it's so incredible the amount of work that you do out of your tiny little basement there. Um, For more information about how to support Rosehaven, Ellen, do you want to talk a little bit about the walk coming up for Mother's Day? Oh, I'd love to. So as I mentioned, this is our biggest fundraising event to support Rosehaven's important work. And it's called Raining Roses Walk. And that's R-E-I-G-N. And it's on Mother's Day. That's May 12th this year. The event starts at 10 a.m. at Castaway. That's in Northwest Portland. And it starts with a party. I mean, it's the most fun event that I, I look forward to it every year. We have live music and mimosas, pastries, face painting. It's just a great congregation of community coming together to celebrate mothers and celebrate women and celebrate the community and supporting the community. There are several wonderful raffle items. So you can uh, come in and it's it includes the whole community, which is just, it's inclusive of everybody. It's there's anybody of any age can come. It's just a great place to come together. And at 11 o'clock, the walk starts. And we have a Brazilian marching band this year that kicks it off with really high energy. I think there's even a dance performance before we start off on the walk. And when you register for this event, there's um, a little swag bag and and these umbrellas, these really colorful umbrellas. So if it's rain or shine, you've got an umbrella to use on the path through Northwest Portland. We meander through 21st and 23rd Street. There's a lot of handouts along the way from 
companies that are on the route that want to support the cause. There are other stops where you can listen to live music along the way. At the end of the walk, we congregate again at Castaway, and every mother will receive a rose. And there's another live band. There's food carts. You can see if you want any of the raffle items. It's just it's such a fun event. And we this is our sixth annual Raining Roses event. On year four, I think we broke $100,000. Last year, we raised $156,000. This year, we're, our goal is $200,000, and we're on track. And so we're, we're pushing hard. It's People don't realize that even every little bit counts. You know, there's college students, high school students that, you know, if they give $5, that helps. If you want to be a sponsor of this event, that helps. And there's a lot of uh, coverage for it, too. So there's you know, your <clears throat> business is on every um, promotional materials, and we even have interviews with KGW. And so it, the range is just incredible. And again, if you think about $189 for all the services that Liz talked about for a whole year, just think about that impact from this event and how many women and children that we can serve and make an impact and make a difference. So how, um, what's the cost of the event? And um, I know that there's the option to participate as an individual and also as a team. Um, tell us more about that. That's a great question. You can go to, there's a website, it's Make It Rain, and that's again, R-E-I-G-N, so makeitrain.org. And there's a really straightforward process for if you want to create a team and you can come up with a, a clever name for your team, you can walk in honor of your mother or anybody who's important to you, you can invite your friends and family to join your team. There's no cost to register. It's just you give what you can, but there's no requirement for that. So it's uh, there's a lot of opportunities for whatever you can provide. That's great. But then by getting excited about this team, and there's some great team awards too. So if you can come in, rally your friends and your family, and you can raise, you know, challenge yourself to try to raise the most among your group for your team, there's another opportunity for recognition at the event on, and celebration of your achievement for that best parts of this event. As I said, it's so inclusive of the whole community that even the guests that Rosehaven serve, they're participating in this event and enjoying and celebrating and, and being a part of this event that supports them, which I just think is so cool. So uh, there may be some other opportunities to get involved with Rosehaven. Liz, do you want to tell us more about those? Absolutely. So we are a really grassroots organization and we need all the help we can get. So if you can't make it on Mother's Day, there's always some way that you can get involved, whether it's saving your Trader Joe's bags for us or when you go traveling, save those um, travel size shampoo and conditioners. <laughs> we will use them. Um, but the probably the most important way that you can help is by volunteering your time. Um, as Ellen said before, we had 642 active volunteers last year and that is how we keep it going. So we have all sorts of different ways to volunteer, whether that's serving food, working in our kitchen, working in the clothing closet, or teaching a class or activity. You know, oftentimes it's just hosting computer lab and helping people get set up with an email address or telling them how to work Google Drive so they can access their resume from the library and they don't have to have a machine to, you know, be out there and be a part of this technological world that we're in. Or if you are a yoga teacher and you want to come in and do a yoga class or you just have a crazy idea, just call us. Give us a call and we probably have an opportunity for you to come in, whether it's doing arts and crafts, you name it. Another way to get involved as a volunteer is to join one of our committees. Ellen is on our development committee, which also helps to plan the Raining Roses Walk every year. So if planning an event with 600 people sounds like fun to you, you can always um, 
come to our meetings. They're pretty fun. We usually meet at a bar and we just talk about all the big goals that we have and how we're going to change the world. And it's pretty cool. Like we have a really strong group of about 10 women and we are making change happen. Somehow we manage to raise our annual budget every year. And 60% of that comes from individual donations. Like I said, we don't get any government funding. So Rosehaven is held together by 10, 20, $30 donations from a lot of different sources. And so it's really, it's powerful to see. And when Ellen talked about that 189 number earlier, Um, How we get that is if you take our annual budget and you divide it by the number of women children that we serve every year, the number is under $200. So that's where that's really straightforward, transparent math of where we get that number from. And that's how we're able to do it is because we rely very heavily on volunteer support and in-kind donations. So if you want to put a bin out at your gym or your church or your school or your office or whatever and help us collect underwear or socks or makeup, you name it. There's so many ways that you can help us, but we hope that you will check out our website, rosehaven.org. Follow us on social media. That's another way that you can help. Like our posts, help us share. We're at rosehavenpdx on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And um, just help people you know, know that Rosehaven exists because we are a grassroots community of powerful women. And we, the stronger we are, the more support that we have. And when we rely on each other, we can really make change. That's fantastic. So if you are busy feeling like you want to do something to help with Portland's housing crisis and homelessness crisis, Rosehaven is one very special place where you can do that. Thanks for tuning in this afternoon. And thank you to Liz and Ellen for joining me today. It was nice to have you here. Thank you, Jamie. You're amazing. (laughs) We're so happy to be here and grateful to Portland Radio Project. You've been listening to Community Voices on Portland Radio Project. Discover more episodes at prp.fm and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms.